Welcome to the podcast of Church on the Rock in New Albany, Indiana. We believe the message you're about to hear will encourage you today. And this has kind of been the theme verse where we've been talking out of on Sunday mornings, Acts 2, talking about all in. So Acts 2 and verse 41, Acts 2, 41, if we have it. It says, those who believed what Peter said were baptized and added to the church that day, about 3,000 in all. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. That's what you're doing this morning. I'm not an apostle. I'm a pastor. But they would come together and they would hear the church leaders preach to them the word of God. And notice, into fellowship. That's life group, doing life together, into sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. That's what we talked about last week. And a deep sense of awe came over all of them, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers met together in one place, and they shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day and met in homes for the Lord's Supper and shared their meals with great joy and generosity. And all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship or their church those who were being saved. Can I get amen this morning? So this morning I want to talk about extravagant generosity. Extravagant generosity. Now, we realize that the book of Acts is the account of the first 30 years of the early church. It's the account of the earliest believers that we know of right after Jesus died and resurrected. 50 days after Jesus went to heaven was the day of Pentecost. And the day of Pentecost is when the church was started. The Holy Spirit got poured out and the believers immediately started living this life. That we've been reading about in Acts 2, 41 through 47. And at that point, there was 3,120 early believers. That's a big church. That's a big church even for today. 3,120 believers. But it started there. And these early believers started doing all these things ongoingly together. And that's what we've been talking about on Sundays. They started doing life together, fellowship. They started eating meals together. They started taking the Lord's Supper together. They prayed together. It says that they came to church or the temple and assembled together and let the apostles preach to them, the church leaders. That was a part of their daily and weekly habits. But it also talks about that when they came together, they gave of their resources and money. And there was extravagant generosity in the early church. Now we read this because the book of Acts is the blueprint for our church and every church on how we should be as believers in 2022. It's been a long time ago since these believers were living this way, but it's the same for us as it was for them. We should have all these things in the church. You should be having fellowship. You should be having prayer. You should be doing life together. You should be taking the Lord's Supper together. You should be giving together. You should be coming to an assembly at least once a week. They were doing it daily where church leaders would teach them about the Bible, about the Word of God. That should all be a part of a local church. But if we're going to go all in with God in our church community, we have to go all in with our money and our resources. Now, I don't have a problem talking about money. Some of you might have a problem hearing about money, but I have no problem talking about it. Just by the way, if there's awkwardness in this room, it's you, not me. I have no problem talking about money or anything else. Because everyone else in your life talks about money and it's perfectly okay. But then when the church talks about it, everybody gets super sensitive. You get sensitive at Walmart. You don't get sensitive at the Apple store. You don't get sensitive. And the government doesn't ask for it. It takes way more than your tithe. Come on now, somebody. I'll keep going. Every other person on this planet can talk about money and it's perfectly okay. But then when the church starts talking about money or a pastor, oh my gosh. 
How dare them talk about that? No, your banker talks about that to you. Your tax guy talks about it to you. The restaurant you just ate makes you talk about it with you or you're not leaving. The people who own your house because you're paying them, they talk about it. But when church people talk about it, oh my gosh, the church should not talk about money. They're so greedy. They're so selfish. The least selfish, greedy institution on the planet talking about money. But yet when churches or pastors or leaders talk about money, everybody's not okay with that, but you're okay with everybody else talking about it. I'm just addressing it today. It's not right. It's really goofy thinking. And you know what spirit's influencing that? Not the Holy Ghost. If there's one person that doesn't want the church to have money, guess who that is? It's the devil. It's the enemy. It's not God. So if you ever feel that spirit, which is not the Holy Spirit, Moving on you when you feel uncomfortable about money in church or pastors talking about money. Realize that spirit or that thing you feel is not from God. Because the person that does not want the church, because the church is the one should be doing the most good on the planet. The person that does not want the church to have money is not the Holy Spirit. It's the enemy. And it's worldly people that are influenced by the enemy trying to come against the church. And you would have to be a completely dishonest believer and I would have to be a completely dishonest pastor to not talk about money when your Bible talks about money hundreds and hundreds of times. It's one of the most talked about subjects in your entire Bible is money. So you'd have to tear out a lot of pages. (laughs) If you say, Pastor, I want you to preach about the Bible, but don't talk about money. Well, a lot of pages are going to go missing because a lot of the scriptures have to talk about money. My personal opinion would be, if anyone knows anything about money, it would be God. Just makes sense, right? I'm just thinking we should want to know what he has to say. More than your economic professor, more than your banker, more than your lawyer, more than your tax guy, more than your Walmart, more than your... Come on now. And not that they don't know what they're talking about because they do have some natural, practical wisdom and advice. But how much more God, we should want to know what he has to say about money. Okay, I got to get going. This is not on my notes. You're pulling it out of me. You started this. I I saw this meme. Does anyone know what a meme is? Do do you know what a meme is? I would put it up here, but I'm not going to. I'll just explain it. Um, So there's this, I follow a lot of church accounts that like mock church stuff that's funny. And I think it's funny because I grew up in church, so I get the jokes. Like if a worldly person was trying to talk about the church, I'd get defensive. Like, who are you? You know nothing about this, but when it's created by church kids, for church kids, I get the jokes. But they had this, this meme, and it was, uh, it was a picture of an old offering plate, and it had somebody putting in a dollar, and it said, people at church on Sunday at 1030, putting in a dollar. And then the picture below it had a bunch of hundreds and then a football for the Super Bowl. And it said, people on Sunday night at 6.30. And then the caption said, all the church wants to talk about is my money. They're so greedy. (laughs) Do you see how funny that is? How that makes no sense, but most of us live that way. We'll give God a few pennies, but then when it comes to the store, we're shelling out money. That mentality is flawed. Well, you know, I can't give. I don't got any money. You just got a new Apple TV, yo. (laughs) You got Kate Spade bags. You got nice shoes. Your kid goes to private school. You got a new car. I don't have any money to tithe or give offerings, pastor. I don't have any. (laughs) 
I got to get to my message. So listen, listen to what I'm saying. That mentality that we give God a, a, a little handout, a little tip, give him some change, give him a dollar bill. Now, if that's all you have, that means everything to God. But I'm talking about people that have hundreds to give to the Super Bowl game and throw God a dollar bill in the offering. That mentality is not right because it has to do with your heart. Now, we're going to get into this today, and I have a lot of good things to say about the early church and their beliefs. But let's start here with the heart. When I say all in, not just with money, but with everything I've been talking about, it has to do with your heart. It's not just outward actions and external things. It's a heart issue. When you decide to go all in, that's a heart decision. It's not a head decision. When you decide I'm going to do life together with people at church and stop isolating myself and making excuses for it, that's a heart decision. And I'm going to live this way the rest of my life. I'm not turning back. When I say I'm going to start being a person of prayer and I'm going to start praying for my church and I'm going to show up at prayer meetings, not just picnics. Okay, we're going somewhere today. That's a heart issue. It's a decision you make in your heart. When, when you decide to start giving God, not me, giving God. It's not about me or a church. It's about giving into God and his kingdom. Your resources, your finances, it's a heart issue. It's a heart issue. You could try to spin it every way you want to spin it. And when you get to that spin, I will come back to you and say, no, it's a heart issue. Don't try to make it about, it's a church, wants my money. God's trying to take from me. No, it's a heart issue. If you're all in with God, you're all in with your money. Come on now, we're going somewhere today. The three most important things that people have to give are this. Your time, your talent, and your treasure. All of us have that in here that we can give. Our three most important things that God has given us on this planet is our time, our talent, and our treasure. Most believers are okay with giving God their time. Most believers are. Most believers are also more okay with giving God their talent, their gifting. But a lot of believers still got a stronghold when it comes to their treasure. Because it's a spiritual thing. It's a heart issue. And that's why there's so many warnings in your Bible about the power of money. God's not against prosperity or riches, but he's against it having your heart. That's why there's so many warnings against riches in the Bible. Because most people can't handle money. Most people that don't even have much money still have a money issue. How much more people that have a lot? And that's why there's so many warnings in the scriptures because a lot of people can go all in with their time. I'll give God my time. I'll give God my, my talent, my gifts. But my treasure, most people are, are held back in that because it's a heart issue. There's a stronghold in most people's life when it comes to money. Now, what's, what's the root of that issue? It's fear. It's fear. You think if I give God my money, come on now, stay with me here, you won't have enough, right? That's what the root is. It's fear that if I give God and actually trust him with my resources, I won't have enough to pay my bills. I won't have enough to feed my kids. I won't have enough to pay for my house. I won't have enough to live the life I want to live. So because I'm in fear, I'm going to keep my money because I think I can do a better job with my money than God can do with my money. No one would say that, but it, that's what you do when you keep the money to yourself. It's pride. You think that you, with 100% of your money, will do better than you having 90% and God having 10% of your money? No. 
The root of that, though, is fear. Fear that I won't have enough. Fear that I can't pay my bills. But people will gladly give God their time and their talent. But if he's got your heart, he's got your treasure. But we need to recognize money for what it is. In most people's life, it's an idol. Now, an idol is not just something that you, you know, go up to a statue and you start bowing down to. An idol in the Bible is anything that has your heart other than God. Is anything that you put your trust in other than God. Is anything that you worship other than God? Is anything that you, you give your time, your talent, your energy, your treasure to other than God? It's what you give your heart to. And most people bow down at the idol of the almighty dollar. But yet they say they love God. God, I'll give you my time. I'll give you my treasure or my talent, but my treasure, my my money, my resources, I don't know about that. It's fear. But we got to deal with the fear issue in our hearts. Because if we're all in with God, we will be all in with our money. Listen to me this morning. All of us want to be financially free. All of us want to have the money we need to live the life that God has called us to live. We want financial freedom. But financial freedom does not come from hoarding. Does not come from saving. Does not come from being stingy. Financial freedom in the kingdom comes from giving. And giving and giving and living with an open hand and living with an open heart, that's when you become financially free. See, you guys think you're free, but you're really bound to the idol of money, serving the almighty dollar. And even those who say, I don't care about money, okay, then quit your job. You spend a hundred more times, more time. And more effort there than you do at church. They quit your job. No, nobody would think that because that's not even smart thinking. Money matters to all of us. But we need to do something with it. We need to lay it on the altar to God. And give God our heart completely and go all in. Going all in with God is not just with your time, not just with your talent, your gifting, but it's with your treasure and your resources. You guys get something today. I know I'm preaching pretty strong already. It's only going to get better from here. But let's all search our hearts. All of us in here have times where that stronghold of money tries to come back up in our life. Whether it's fear that says I won't have enough if I give or even this mentality of it's mine. Are we two? Are we five? But even that creeps into all of us even as adults. I worked for this. I earned it, pastor. It's mine. It is? You wouldn't have a job unless God gave you a job. You wouldn't have a brain that functions to work at your job unless God sustained your brain. You wouldn't have two arms and two legs and the ability to work a full-time job unless God gave you the ability and strength to do it. No, it's not yours. It's God's. And like I said last month, you're like, don't bring up last month you talked about growing up. Some of us got to get out of the kiddie pool and stop saying it's mine. You're not two anymore. You're not five anymore. You're not ten anymore. No, it's not yours. It all belongs to God. Everything. Everything I have, everything you have. Now, here's the thing. God doesn't require you to give it all. But in your heart, in your mind, you need to acknowledge and say, no, God, it is all yours. And if you tell me to give it, I'll give it. 
If you tell me to do it, I'll do it. If you tell me to spend time doing this, I'll do it. If you tell, tell me to give my gifts, I'll do it. If you tell me to give that offering, I will do it. Because it all belongs to you. Including the breath in your lung that you're sucking in right now. Yep. Not yours. God did that. I got to calm down if we're going to make it through. Do you want me to calm down? No, 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 no. Okay. God, if he has your heart, he will have your wallet. Where our money goes is the greatest reflection of what we love and what we value. Where our money goes, let me repeat this, is the greatest reflection of what we love and what we value. If God has your heart, he has your wallet. Now, this is real easy to understand. If you look at your checkbook or your online bank account, where's your money going? That's what you care about. That's what you love. That's what's important to you. It's not hard to figure out. If your bank account is 95%, now if Judah had a bank account, this would be his bank account, was 95% DoorDash. <laughs> Guess where Judah's heart is? With food. <laughs> he loves food. He loves DoorDash. Does that make sense to you? If I looked at your bank account and I keep seeing Bass Pro Shop, Bass Pro Shop, Bass Pro Shop, Bass Pro Shop, new gun, new bow, new ammo, new boat. Guess where your heart is? That's where your heart is. And that's not even a bad thing. I'm just saying where your money goes is what you value and you love the most. If I looked at your bank account, ladies, and it said Sephora, 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 Target, Kate Spade, Hobby Lobby, Hobby Lobby, Hobby Lobby, Hobby Lobby, Hobby Lobby, Hobby Lobby, TJ Maxx, Hobby Lobby, 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 Hobby Lobby. Yes, sir. Where your treasure is, your heart is also. Hobby Lobby loves the Lord. I don't even care if you give them that money because they're going to tithe on it. Come on now. Same thing with Chick-fil-A. It's doubly tithed. So ladies, where your treasure is, your heart is also. Your money tells me and everyone else what you value, what's important to you. It's real simple. If you looked at my bank account, there wouldn't be a lot on there. It would be church and Natalie, church and Natalie, church and Natalie and Avery, church and Natalie and the boys, church and Natalie and Avery, church and Natalie and the boys. That's my life because that's where my heart is. So that's where my money is. Where your money goes is the greatest reflection of what we love and what we value. So you can't say, I value you, God, and I love you with all my heart, but my money's mine. Oh, and I, and I love my church. Love it. Oh, I love Church on the Rock. I love the pastor. Do you ever give? No. Then you don't. Because where your money is, that's what you love. That's what you value. I've got a good verse for you. This is Jesus, red letter. Don't argue with me. Argue with Jesus. Matthew 6, verse 19. Don't store up treasures here on earth where moth eat them and rust destroys them, where thieves break in and steal. Store up your treasures in heaven where moth and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. Right. Now here's the main verse. 
wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will be also. No one can serve two masters, for you will hate one and love the other, and you will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Now, real quickly, let me help your theology about money. God didn't say you can't have God and money. He said you can't serve them both. Quick little information about this. If you can't give away your money, then you're serving it. If you can't tithe, then you're serving it. If you can't give God an offering, then you're serving it. If God speaks to you to give something to somebody else in this room and you say, God, I'm not going to do it, you're serving money. Because no one can serve two masters. You either will love the one and hate the other. You can't serve God in money. Didn't say you couldn't have it, but you can't serve them both. We serve God and we use money to help people. We don't use God and serve money. But where our treasure is, our heart will be also. You still with me today? Let's look back at Acts 2. Acts 2. Acts 2 and verse 41. Let's read what these early believers were doing. Those who believed what Peter said were baptized and added to the church that day, about 3,000 in all. And all the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing the meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over all of them, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. But listen to these two verses, and this is what we're going to hang out today. Look what these early believers did. And all the believers met together in one place and shared I know shared is the opposite of mine. <laughs> they shared everything they had. And then he gets more specific. This is what they shared. They sold their property and possessions, if that's what it took, and shared the money with those in need. This is how this early church, early believers were living with extravagant generosity. You see that right after Jesus died and resurrected, the early church started. Now, this is a group of people that are the first group of people that have been saved and born again and made new and filled with the Holy Spirit. And this is the kind of way they lived. This is the kind of giving and extravagant generosity they showed was this kind right here, was that they shared all and they gave to everyone who had need. Can you see by the language, this is more than the mentality of tithe. Now, I believe in the tithe, and we'll talk about that on another time, but not today. It's a biblical principle all throughout the Bible from Genesis to Revelation, the tithe, 10%. But these early believers decided that God doesn't just have 10% of my money. God has 100% of what I have, and he can tell me to give it anytime he wants to tell me to give it. That was the attitude of these early followers of Jesus. These early believers had been so changed and rescued by the grace of God. 10% was a starting place, not an ending place. What you see in the New Testament is a new type of giving beyond the Old Testament in the law. It's called grace giving. The old covenant said 10%, but grace giving says God owns 100% and he can have whatever he wants anytime he wants it. Not because I have to, not because I'm forced to, but the grace of God has so changed my life from the inside out. I've been rescued and redeemed and healed and delivered. God has set me apart for a new life. The least I can do is give everything I have back to him. Not because a preacher told me to. Not because I felt bad because the pastor said, won't you help me? Won't you help me? Ha, won't you help me? 
No, you did it because you love Jesus. And Jesus has changed your life and he changed your heart. Because it's a heart issue. And don't tell me you got to change heart if you don't got to change bank account. Doesn't line up with the scriptures. Because where your treasure is, your heart is also. Don't say, oh, God's changed my heart, but he hasn't changed your wallet. No, he hasn't changed you yet. Because when he changes your heart, he changes everything. But these early believers had this mentality, 100% belongs to God. Let me read a few things to you. These early church believers all throughout the New Testament needed no prompting or reminding to give. They were more than willing to share in the collection. In fact, they begged to be included. How many times have you heard a Christian beg for someone to take an offering? Not many. But these early church believers all did this. All these churches did this. Why? Their giving was voluntary and spontaneous. It was of grace and not pressure. They gave because they wanted to give. Because they had experienced the grace of God. Grace not only frees us from our sins, but it frees us from ourselves. The grace of God will open your heart, but it will also open your hand. If we give ourselves to God we will have little problem giving our substance to God. That's grace giving. The mentality that everything God I have belongs to you. Because it does. And whether you acknowledge it or not, it still does. But let's look again at these early believers. We're going to read this in the Amplified. Acts 2. 44. Acts 2 44 in the Amplified, if we have it. Notice what it says And all those who have believed in Jesus as Savior were together and had all things in common, considering their possessions to belong to the group as a whole. Anybody have a car they want to give me? Since we're on the. You guys are so serious. I don't need a car. I'm joking. But look at this mentality. All of them decided everything I have belongs to God and this church community. It's not my own. And they began selling their property and possessions and were sharing the proceeds with all the other believers as anyone had need. That's what these early believers were doing. Once again, that's that mentality of 100% of what I have belongs to God. Now, let's clarify this because I know some of you are thinking, Pastor? Yeah. You already know who I'm talking about before I need to say it. That sounds like that communism, that socialism. Let me tell you the big difference between communism and socialism and what the early church was doing. Communism and socialism is when you're forced to give your money you earned to somebody else. Most of the time, you don't even know. The Bible's not talking about that. These early believers gave because they wanted to. They gave it voluntarily. They gave it spontaneously. They gave it free willingly of their own heart. No one made them do that. That's the difference between communism and socialism and what the early church believers did. I'm not talking about a forced thing where everybody says, you have to do this. Rob from the rich and give to the poor. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying these early believers lived this way because they decided of their own free will and heart to voluntarily do this. Because God had their heart. Are you with me so far? It's called grace giving, once again. Just so you can read this later in 2 Corinthians 8 and 9, both chapters, it talks about this exact thing happening in Corinthians and it talks about that these believers, their offering should be voluntary, free will, with their heart. It's the same passage. We've heard this verse that God loves a cheerful giver. Not communism or socialism or someone made you do it out of your own heart. 
that's what these early believers were doing. They decided that everything they had belonged to God, but each other, if anyone had need. You still with me today? Did I lose yet communism and socialism? But think of it. These early believers said, and it's given that they were giving to the church, their tithe, their offerings, but even with each other, if anyone had a need, they would meet that need. We should all think that way in here. Let me give an example. Because the church should be a family. Should be. If you're natural family, even the ones you don't like, come on now. Even the ones that don't deserve it, even the ones that are mean to you, if they said, I need some food, you would go get them food. Why? Because that's your family. If they said, I have nowhere else to live, a lot of you would say, okay, your family, come on in here. Even the ones you don't like, because in the Midwest, especially, we have this soul tie to family. Offended? It's quiet. I'm getting to a point here. If you would do that for your natural family, how much would your spiritual family? And that's what these verses are saying. They treated each other as family. If they had a need, they would do whatever it took to meet that need of someone else in their church family because they realized that 100% of what I have belongs to God, but also it belongs to each other. Because I don't want to see any of us in need or in poverty or going through something because that's my family. That's my brother, my sister, my mom, my dad. It's not just church people I go with. It's my family. If your natural family was hungry, you would feed them. If they needed help, you would want to run to the rescue. But how much more your church family? I love this verse, and you, and you can look this up later, but in Galatians 6, Paul says to the Galatians church, I want you to do good to all people. So God's into us giving to all people, to, to unbelievers, to our own natural family, to people outside of God. But he said, but I want you to especially do good to those of the household of faith. So God wants you to be a blessing to everybody, but especially your brothers and sisters in the faith. You should have the mentality, if anybody's going to make it, we're going to make it. Yeah, we're going to help people outside this church. Yes, we're going to help people that don't even believe in God. Yes, we'll help family members that don't care about God. Yes, we'll do those things. We will do good to all people, but especially the family of faith. They come first. And that's what these early believers did. They lived as a family that not only their church had their needs met, but each other had their needs met. Am I stressing you too much? Think about this. And I got to get moving. But legitimately, if, let's just take um, Justin. Justin's my brother. If Justin and Janet came to me and said, Pastor, something happened with our money and we can't pay our bills this week and we need food. Do you, do you think I would just say, sorry. I would... If the church didn't have money to do it, I would do it personally. Now, let me put a disclaimer here. This is not an open door for all of you to ask me today. <laughs> oh, that's all I needed. Pastor, I got a bill coming up next month. And by the way, you shouldn't be going around asking people for stuff all the time either. That's the other side. But if you legitimately need help, that's what the church is for. That's what the community is for. But let's just say, if Jenny and Justin asked me that, I would not think anything about it. I'd say, okay, we're going to get you groceries tonight. We're going to pay your bill. It's going to be perfectly fine. You don't owe me anything because we're family. The Bible says if one suffers, we all suffer. If one's honored, we're all honored. I should think that way as a pastor, but all of you should think that way about each other. Are you struggling with your money? Can I help you? Do you need food? Do you need us to bring you something? Right. 
Are you okay? Do your kids need money for clothes? That's what this early church did. It said there was no needy person among them because they all took care of each other. That's the way the church should be. I know you guys think I'm being extreme. This is normal New Testament Christianity. Pastor, you sound like we're going to live in a commune and this is going to be a cult. No one's saying that. I don't want to live with you guys, but I'll pay your bills. <laughs> right? I'm not saying we all got to live in a commune out in Borden somewhere, raising our own food. That's not what the early church did, but it did say that they helped each other and they looked out for each other. And if they had need, they would help one another and they would go from house to house and do life together and be a family. That's what I'm saying. And that's what the church should be. That's what the church should be. And I know some people have taken scriptures like this and went off the deep end. Starting a commune and a cult. But that's misunderstanding the scriptures, not rightly dividing the word. That's not what it's saying there. Can I go a step further? I mentioned last week that in the verb tense of these verses in the book of Acts, it says that these things were ongoing. They continued. It wasn't like a one-time event. This kept happening. So let's turn to Acts 4. 32, this is the church has been growing since Acts 2. Notice what they're doing in Acts 4.32. All the believers were united in heart and mind. And notice what they felt. And they felt that what they owned was not their own. So they shared everything they had. The apostles testified powerfully to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus and God's great blessing was upon them all. And there were no needy people among them. Come on, let that be said of this church and this church family. We're going to get to the place there will be no needy person, no one that needs anything among them because those who own land or houses would sell them and bring the money to the apostles to give to those in need. And notice he's going to tell a specific person on somebody who did this. Because somebody be like, that was reading this in the early church. Was like, nobody really did that. And he's like, okay, let me write you a guy's name down who did this. For instance, there was Joseph, the one the apostles nicknamed Barnabas, which means son of encouragement. He was from the tribe of Levi and came from the island of Cyprus. He sold a field he owned and brought the money to the apostles. So listen to what it says again. This is a few chapters later. Down the line, the church had been growing even more since Acts 2, and it's still happening. They're still living this way. It said nothing that they had, they felt that it just belonged to them. They live with an open hand that if God needs it or each other needs it, it all belongs to God. That's the way we should feel in our heart. Above and beyond even a tithe, people in this passage and the other one, it said that if they had it, they would sell lands and possessions and put it in the offering so no one had a need. God doesn't require every week for all of us to empty our bank accounts. Some of you are like, Pastor, we finally got there. <laughs> I didn't know where you were going with this. But he doesn't. That would be a misinterpretation of the scripture. God doesn't require that every week we empty our bank accounts, we sell our house, we sell our car, we put it into the offering every week. And that's not what this verse is saying either. But it is saying that all these early believers live with the mindset in the heart that 100% of what I have belongs to God and each other. And if he tells me to sell it, I will sell it. 
And if he tells me to give it, I will give it. And if he tells me to get rid of it and put it in the offering, I will do that. And I have an open hand completely that everything I have belongs to him. And I'm going to live with an open hand. That's what these passages are saying. And that's what I'm saying that we should have in our hearts. Not that we got to do this every week. Because, you know, if you start doing this and God didn't tell you to do this, pastor's got to be having to pay a lot more bills other than Justin and Janet's. <laughs> I have a hundred calls next week. Pastor, you remember that part in the message? I'm just quoting you. You said if we ever had a need, I happened to sell my house last week and put it in the offering. <laughs> well, No, I'm saying if God tells you to do that, you have an open hand. But let me encourage you guys in here that there will always be times in your life that God tells you to stretch. That God tells you to give something extravagant. That God tells you to, to just do something outside of the box, above and beyond. And he will do that from time to time in your life to stretch your faith. To test your heart. But he's not doing that to take something from you. He's doing that to get greater blessings into your life. Are you with me this morning? But God will require that of us many times probably in our life to do something extravagant like that. So once again, what am I saying? What, what's required of you? What, what is the Bible saying? It says that all of us in here should have the mindset and heart that everything I have belongs to God. And everything that I have belongs to each other if there's a need. And that I'm going to live willing and open-handed with everything in my life, the rest of my life, if God tells me he needs it. There should be nothing in your life with strings attached to it. Nothing. Hear me, no house, no car, no golf clubs, no purse, no shoes, no ring, nothing. No retirement, no 401k, nothing in your life should have attachments where you say, God, you can have all this, but not that. Now, God might not ever ask you for that, but he needs to know he has your heart if he did. Are you hearing me today? You got to be willing. Why? Because if you're not willing to give that, what does it say? You're serving money. You're still serving money. I'm not saying it would be easy to give that, but there's some part of you that still has your faith in the money more than him. The reason you don't want to give it is fear. You're thinking, if I give it, what about, what about my retirement? What about my kids? What about my bills? Once again, I'm not telling you to do something crazy just for crazy's sake. I'm telling you, if God tells you to do it, there will be fruit in you doing it. Are you with me today? I know this is not an easy message to listen to, but this is the truth. And it will produce freedom in all your hearts if you get a hold of this. Don't you want to stop living in bondage to your checkbook and your job and your money? The way to freedom is living with an open hand to God and giving. That's the way to financial freedom. You still with me? Okay. Now I'm going to put on another hat. I'm going to put on the CEO hat. Would you like me to? First I was a preacher. Now I'm a CEO. So... I'm going to share some things like we did last year about our finances at church. Still a little sensitive about that message. It's good. Yeah, it's great. We would like you to keep going, Pastor. You've said enough today. <laughs> but I'm going to share some information with you to rejoice with you as a church family. I want to let you know what we got going on as a church family financially and a heart for the house 
and even some new projects. And I want to give you some practical ways on how you can help in your giving at this church. Are you excited about it? It's exciting. We did this last year and we're going to do it again this year. So a couple things. Our church has been around for 37 years this April and our church has never had a financial issue of how we spent money. Just wanted to let you know that. Also, our church finances go through a CPA every year that does not go to this church. It's not related to this church. And we always do excellent. We have a board, external and internal. They can see the money anytime they want. Question anything that happens at this church. I do not make the decision on how much I'm paid. Miss Donna does. No, I'm joking. She doesn't. (laughs) She doesn't. She controls a lot, but not that. It's like, I need one area in my life that she doesn't control. (laughs) Let's get an external board. Come on, guys. Come in here. Help me. She's got too much control. I got to throw in some comedy with this. So we have an internal board and external board of other leaders and pastors that help um, look at our finances. Okay, you still here? All right. I feel like I need a drum roll. Thank you. (laughs) The first thing I want to show you is we got a graph and the total of how much money came in last year. And then we're going to break it down on where the money was spent. So for the super nosy people in here, you guys want the tea so bad. (laughs) And I'm going to give you all the gossip in the world to share with everyone. I'm super excited about it. Because I got nothing to hide. All right, now. Put the graph up. Let's go. Come on. That's you guys. I was the 34 cents. The rest of it was you guys. (laughs) Okay, so 2021 financial overview. That's the total of money that came into Church on the Rock. That's not Dad's ministry. That's just Church on the Rock money. $924,805.34 last year at Church on the Rock. Come on, we got to hit a million next year, don't we? We got to. 900 just doesn't look as good as a million. Okay, so let's see where the money went. 48 Percent went to personnel. That means it went to pay the staff for taxes, for workman's comp, for hospital insurance, for life insurance. So 48% goes to the personnel, staff, insurance, all that good stuff. As you know, we brought on a new staff member. So that, that went up since last year because Michael is not cheap. <laughs> right? He's not even here to hear it. But hasn't Michael, he's done a wonderful job stepping up our church and dad's ministry, and he can't even hear what we're saying right now. So 48% on personnel, that's for the staff, insurance, all that good stuff. Next thing, 90%, that's outreach and giving outside of our church. So that is, in that category, that means that guest ministers, when they come into our church, is in that category, pastoral care, that when we put on fellowships, that's in that category, missions giving. And then even when people in our church have needs, um, that's in that category as well. We don't tell you stuff that happens every week because it would take up too much time. But on an ongoing basis, we pay for sometimes people's bills or they're in a tight spot. We send them a check. You guys don't know about that, but that does happen. So 19% goes to outreach and giving. 11% goes to administration, that's telephone, postage, computer expenses, office supplies, copier, all that good stuff. 9% goes to Kids on the Rock and the Quarry. That has to do with, of course, all the stuff that goes on in those back classes, Um, Bible Venture Week, Summer Camp, all that good stuff. 6% goes to building, and under building is... That is the monthly payment we make every month, but also heart for the house that goes in on top of that to pay off the debt. 6% goes to building. 5% goes to upkeep. That is for Ms. Donna's counseling sessions. (laughs) I'm sorry. 
<laughs> I'm sorry. I bring you up every time this happens. I just got to, I got to make it a little more fun because you guys act too serious. Yeah, it's working. Your money's working. 5% for her therapist, 5% for medication. We got a lot going on here at church. Yeah, and nail appointments. It's all about mental health. Mental health is mental wealth. If you need your nails done for the mind, it's okay. Because when you look good, you feel good. Okay. <laughs> Are you glad you came today? Do you want me to keep going? This is fun. I feel like I'm a game show host. 5% for upkeep. That's utilities. Physical plant supplies, maintenance, grounds, landscaping, and property insurance. 2% for vehicles. The church helps out me and Brother Sean with our trucks. So 2% is that. And that is the financial overview for 2021. Come on, you can rejoice. Act like you're excited. Act like we spent the money well. Come on, all the above. It's exciting. We're going places. And by the way, that was more than 2020. So we're making progress. So 2022, we got to hit a million. Let's do it. Let's hit a million. Okay, so you guys want to know about Heart for the House? Okay, let's bring up the Heart for the House. Look at this right here. So we have paid off so far through Heart for the House offerings. This is not counting the payment we make. This is on top of that payment. $286,000 of debt paid off for Heart for the House. Come on, can we rejoice for a second about that? Yeah. And that's beyond the payment we actually make every month. But this is what we owe still left on the building is 665957 and 47 cents. That's what we owe on, we have like 12 acres of property. We have two buildings. That's what we owe left on it. It's worth way more than that, all of this land and these buildings. About $2 million. Thank you. There's the CEO, CEO. <laughs> so, how many know that's a piece of cake to knock the rest of that debt out? And we're going to continue to do that. We're going to continue to keep on uh, giving to Heart for the House on top of the payment we make every month. So, isn't that great news? We paid off $286,000 of debt on top of our regular payments. We can knock that out really easy, that debt. Okay, the next thing I want to share is this. You still with me? This is an exciting day. I want to tell you about some upcoming projects that we're going to take up an offering for soon called the All-In Offering about some things we want to do at Church on the Rock. So can we talk about that for a second? So let's bring up that slide. The first thing is we would like to paint the outside of this building. Now, this building was painted by Brother Joe and a group of guys many years ago, but it needs a, a refresher. And we care about how this building looks. We think that God deserves the best. And we're not going to be a raccoon holler church. We're going to be a Ruth Chris church. Okay? Listen, we're not. We want this church, this landscaping, the inside and the outside to reflect what we are. And it should be excellent. It matters to God, and we, we want this building to look great, so we got AMSI and Six Day Paint company, company already ready to go, hopefully in the spring, but the first thing we want to do, we're going to have to take up an offering, and that's going to be coming soon, but it would cost $24,400 to paint the outside of all these buildings and to make it look nice. That's the first thing we want to knock out, and hopefully we can do that in the spring of this year. The next thing we want to do is we want to get actual real-life cameras for Church on the Rock so we can have high-definition, good-quality cameras so we can live-stream the services on Facebook, on YouTube, so we can put videos out throughout the week, but not doing that through somebody's phone or iPad. No offense to that, but real high-quality cameras. So to get all the live-stream equipment, it would cost $25,000. And lastly, on the vision list, um, for Kids on the Rock, there's a lot of new things we want to do in the, that back building for Kids on the Rock because it's growing. And there is some new 
rooms we want to redo, even upstairs, to make room for people. So to do everything, now we could do part of this, but to do everything, and I told Olivia, go big or go home on this list. Just put everything you could ever think of you'd want in the kids on the rock, put it on the list. It would be $30,000. So it's exciting. So those are some upcoming things for the vision of this church. Let me switch gears. And we're going to continue talking about this. And Brother Daryl, could you come play for me? Here's the three things I would say would help our church the most and me the most with your giving. Three areas I would say that you could direct your money and resources. Are you guys encouraged about that report about the money for Church on the Rock and Heart for the House? The first thing is to tithe. That's a starting place. The tithe belongs to the Lord, the Bible says. The tithe is to go to the local church to do what we're called to do. In the Old Testament, it says that we give the tithe so there will be meat in God's house. Provision in God's house to do what we need to do. So that's the number one thing I would say if you're going to do something with your money and go all in and giving, that you would be a tither. The reason why the tithe is so important is because it's ongoing. It's consistent. So we're able to plan. We're able to, to move ahead to hire people because we're a nonprofit last time I checked. So if we don't have consistent tithers, we don't know whether we can hire people or not. We don't know whether we can do certain projects or not. So the tithe means that there's consistent resources coming in, provision in God's house to do what we're called to do. And I know many of you tithe and give way beyond your tithe, but there's some of you that don't. But listen to me this morning. When you choose not to tithe, you choose to shut the church down. It's quiet. Because if everyone gave like you, it would shut down. We don't think that sometimes when we don't tithe. We think, well, Somebody else will do it. Somebody else will give. But what if that person's thinking that about you? And the other person's thinking that about another person? Then no one would be giving. No, we all need to tithe. That's a biblical principle in God's house that 10% of our income goes to the house of God because we honor him with our giving. But just in a practical sense, we need it so we can plan as a church. We can grow as a church. We have consistent income that we can do what we need to do. And there's provision in God's house. So if I could tell you where to direct your money first, if you, if you want to be a giver, once again, this is free will. If you want to be a giver like these early church believers did, you would tithe consistently. Number two is heart for the house. This is beyond a tithe. This is free will. No one has to do this. You don't got to do anything. But I'm saying if God leads you that way, that you would give into heart for the house to pay off the debt of this church. The quicker we pay off the debt of this church, the more we can do. Think about if we didn't have that payment every month and we didn't have all that heart for the house money going out every month, we could do more for this church body and people outside this church. We're going to pay off the debt of this church. I believe it's God's will that we're debt-free. And lastly, we're going to take up an offering for these vision projects next month, March 20th. That's a month from today. We're going to call it an all-in offering. Now, we don't have them today, but we ordered envelopes. We ordered some cards. And we're going to put it online in text to give where you can give. But we're going to make March 20th a special day. We're going to talk about giving. We're going to talk about giving into God's house, building God's house. And we're going to give a special over and above. This is not your tithe offering to these projects to do what God has called us to do. And this offering needs to be sacrificial. This needs to be a stretch. This should be like the early church living with an open hand. God, if you tell me to give it, if you tell me to sell it, I'll do it. But it has to be whatever God tells you to give. I can't tell you what to give. So we're going to take up an all-in offering March 20th to sow into these vision projects. I'm excited about that. I don't know if you are. 
Now here's my heart as well. I'm going to keep having projects. Don't let that bother you and feel like we got to do it next week. Everything I put on that list doesn't have to happen next week or next month. But we're throwing the vision out there so we can start planning for it, praying for it, giving for it. I'm not saying $75,000 or $100,000 needs to come in on this offering. I'm saying let's just start knocking it out one at a time. Let's knock out the paint first. Then we'll get the cameras. Then we'll do the kids' stuff. But we'll go as quick as you guys want to go. Hey, if you want to pay the whole thing off, I'll get you a new list next week. We'll, we'll go there. Man, man, I got so many lists. I, I can make this happen. I'm, I'm not against that. I'm not saying I'm not expecting that to happen. But we're going to go at the pace as fast as you guys want to go here. And we're going to knock this out. So we're going to take up an all-in offering March 20th. And lastly, this is something that we've been thinking and talking about. Several other churches have something similar to this. But we want to start in the future. It's called a legacy team. And a legacy team is this. We, we, I've seen some other churches do this, and I really like the idea, and I think it's a divine idea. It's a group of people in that church that feel called to business, entrepreneurship, that would get together every so often just to talk, just to encourage one another, iron sharpening iron. But also that group would be strategic about taking on projects like that and paying them off quickly. Paying off the debt, paying off the vision list because they feel like that God has given them the gift of giving because that's in the Bible. There's people that are called to make money for the kingdom of God. So I feel like many of you are in that category as well. So we're going to start that in the future. We'll let you know about that. It's going to be called Legacy Team. So it's going to be twofold. One, to just encourage each other in that call to make money for the kingdom, but also to fund these projects. So that's my heart today, that we would have the mentality in the heart that everything I have belongs to you, God, with an open hand, with an open heart, and do what we're called to do as a church like these early believers, that we would have a church that no one has needs, no one's struggling because we've taken care of each other. We've taken care of God's house. And then God will supernaturally provide for us and bless us because that's what his word says. Last verse, and I'm going to close, and I really appreciate you guys listening to me today. Did you get anything today? Did you have a fun day in God's house? I said a lot. I preached. I put on my CEO hat and comedian all at the same time. It was a big day. Proverbs 11, 24 and 25 in the message. The world of the generous gets larger and larger. We're talking about extravagant generosity today. But the world of the stingy gets smaller and smaller. The one who blesses others is abundantly blessed. And those who help others are helped. Did you guys get something today? Thank you. Thank you so much for listening today. For more information about what's happening at Church on the Rock, visit cotrin.org.